Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Carrie Johnson. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're joined by analyst Angelina Jenis to discuss CX Champions programs and how they support CX transformation. Welcome, Angelina. Happy to be here. Let's talk about CX transformation. 2019, 2018, good investment, not a lot of results still, right? Progress has basically stalled. What do you think companies can do to build this into a bigger movement inside their four walls in order to actually start seeing some meaningful results? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of work to progress past that beginner stage of CX maturity. And often what's happening is the CX team has actually made itself its own silo, even though their intention is to break down silos. And what they need to focus on is culture. And we know this because we did the 2019 survey of CX teams and culture was right at the top along with collaboration. And not only has this been a problem in previous years, but this is a growing problem. We're seeing an increase in those reporting collaboration and CX culture as barriers. And so knowing that those things are barriers, I mean, those aren't uniquely CX problems Mm -hmm. or ownership that the CX team has. So how... How are you seeing firms kind of overcoming those those barriers to do what Carrie is suggesting, right? Like have CX kind of permeate, propagate throughout the organization? Yeah, it is not a unique issue to CX teams, but CX teams are uniquely positioned to overcome that with their skill sets and their capabilities. So they are able to train and strategize with teams on how to move forward on CX. And one of the big things is really getting down to the employees' actions and how they can be empowered to build better experiences, how to remove barriers, create enablers um, at the front lines, in the back office, tying CX to everyone's job. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that those are big moves, right, whether it's changing metrics or goals for you know, frontline employees or whomever it is within the organization. So what connections are being made and what success is being had there? The successes are those who are actually connecting with executives, understanding their strategic initiatives and tying them back to CX initiatives and a path forward. Um, And uh, Harley Manning makes the case for making a business case. It seems simple, but we have a lot of CX teams that are struggling to Uh, take ownership of their ROI. Um, And one of the things that is key is is sharing that responsibility, sharing that ROI with other business units, with other functions. So that means starting to work with those leaders and say, hey, here's what we have in common, what we're both driving towards. Here's where our metrics meet. Um, How can we work together to get these initiatives through? It seems simple, like you said, and yet I get the sense that some CX teams and companies, just based on the ones that I talk to, have become a bit almost academic. Like there's this academic center that has a process, a right way of doing things by the customer, and that it's hard to break through, even with numbers. Oh, this will have a lift on revenue. This will have the lift on this. It's hard to break through into the actual operational conversation of how the company's getting done versus, frankly, often an ideal of what the company Mm -hmm. should do. Yeah, and that is when we bring in the power of the voice of the employee into this. So having some sort of a program where we are systematically training employees to identify where the CX issues are and how they can improve CX, 
and also having them involved in the process. And that's what CX ambassador programs really are about. They're about bringing in diverse voices and getting them involved both in internal communications around CX, in identifying customer problems, um, and training up and solving those problems. So let's dig a little bit deeper into this concept of like a CX champion program or an ambassador program. Before we talk about the specificity of what a program like that would involve, what is the necessary scaffolding that needs to be in place for something like that to be successful? Yeah, well, the good news is from a manpower standpoint, uh, CX ambassadors or CX champions program. And just to clarify, the terms were pretty interchangeable when we spoke to companies. Um but at the very basic level, you can have a very small CX team and you can use this as a way to empower your team and broaden your reach. So it isn't about needing a lot of manpower to put one of these programs in place. Um, but it is about having an idea of the training that you're going to offer these champions, the responsibilities they're going to take on. So how are you going to give them the time and space to become CX champions and considerations like that, how is it going to tie into their personal goals? How are you going to convince their supervisors that this is worth the time? And there's a lot of different ways we've seen those done to a lot of different degrees. So there are some that are very focused on CX training. Um, and then there are some programs that are actually carving out up to 25% of the week of these CX champions to dedicate to CX projects. This is reminding me a little bit of an interview that Jen and I did with Rachel Kobetz of Bank of America after she had spoken at our CX forum. And it was more about digital experiences and kind of a grassroots movement in the company to get support for it. What sounded grassroots really wasn't grassroots and that it was a very deliberate attempt to put signage up, put experiences up all over the company and all of its offices and really get employees engaged in it. And I'm so I'm curious if you've seen any of that as it relates to customer experience, but also to talk about frankly, the cost of that, right? I mean, there is the grab a champion coalition of the willing idea. And then there is the really get out there and campaign hard on this. And I'm just curious how you've seen companies do that and if they can do it inexpensively, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I actually think you can turn that around and frame it as a cost savings. So if you want to grow your CX team, but you can't make the case for it, one thing you can do, and just to add CX teams have been staying small. We know that from our survey results. Um, we expected them to grow. We predicted that. And while some um, teams in the B2B space have grown, a lot of CX teams have actually stayed within the fewer than 10 people mm. FTEs range. So if you are not growing your team the way you expected, CX ambassador programs could be considered an efficient way to increase your manpower um, and increase how many CX initiatives are being worked on in a given year because you are spreading out the responsibilities. The benefit to the leadership of those uh, respective teams that the ambassadors are coming from is if your executives have identified CX as a strategic initiative, now suddenly their function or business unit is involved in that and can point to it, and you are providing the training and the resources to make it happen. So, it may be a little bit of a negotiation with those leaders um, where you're borrowing their resources and they're utilizing yours, um, but it could be positioned as a cost savings. Mm -hmm. Carrie just mentioned Bank of America. Can you provide 
an example of someone who's doing this really successfully today, whether it's a, it's a big example or a small example, right? Because we know that they, they sort of range in size. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So on the, on the, I don't want to say smaller range because they started small and they've been growing is um, ArcBest. They call it the ArcBest experience. Um, and they were really focused on CX training of their front lines employees. Um, and once they found that that was successful, they thought, what can we do with the ones who are raising their hands to do more? Um, so they started developing a train the trainers program. And so now you're thinking about uh, if I train one, how many can they train in their team? And, you know, they're developing decks that the trainees can then plop in their own uh, relevant examples for their teams and talk about CX in that way. Um, They're starting to think about their truck drivers and how can we deliver CX training to them when they're in their trucks on the go. Um, So they've taken a small program and they've said, with each success, how do we make those successes bigger? How do we keep people involved and how do we get more people involved? And I'm I'm assuming the recommend that would be one of the recommendations, right? Like, hey, if this is not a thing that you're doing today, focus on one small piece of the puzzle and then get your small wins and grow it out that way. Absolutely. And I think if you try to go too big, uh, a couple things could happen. One could be that um, participants are disappointed in the outcomes. They don't get out of it what they expected to get out of it. Um, and then you lose momentum. Another thing is it's just not a fit for your culture. Um, and you really do have to test and learn to make this fit your culture well uh, so that it takes hold and it spreads like wildfire. Mm. What's the role of marketing peers and counterparts in this Um Jen used the word campaign, so it got my mind thinking about that, obviously. And, and we've actually made a call and seen that many CX teams are moving into the marketing department, which maybe they like, maybe they don't like. But at least the good news is marketers know how to market, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and can, they, can those skills be leveraged internally? So there are a lot of benefits to having marketing on your side. One of the struggles in trying to grow a customer-obsessed culture is communication, And internal communication is pretty key. And we found that those that have good communication are actually being able to further their progress because the employees are believing that these things are actually happening. Um, And there were a few examples where employees didn't know that customer problems were being fixed and they were feeling very disheartened that no one was paying attention. And by leveraging Um, marketing, they were able to be more aware. And in fact, the CX champions helped to communicate that progress. And they were more aware of what was going on. And they they were looking forward and gave uh, feedback on how to better improve that experience. So the transparency there is obviously pretty key to success. And to your point of like, having it spread like wildfire, oh, how do I get involved in this? Yeah, it's a two way street. Uh, You can't just tell people, how you're going to change the experience. I mean, you have to be sure there are, there are feedback loops involved. Mm-hmm. And so have you seen this be a focus area on just a department, say like customer service, or, you know, is it a level like, okay, all VPs of a firm are going to be CX champions? Like, does it matter? Does it depend on what your priorities are? Yeah. I like the way you phrase that question because it could be one or the other. You could pick a function to start with, like frontline employees, 
or you could pick a level. A lot of companies feel like there's a bottleneck around middle management when trying to implement better CX. So by bringing them in and making them CX champions, training them, having them own certain projects, that can really be a great way to have new advocacy going downstream right. to make things happen. So I would say pick one or the other is, and it's based on your goals. And again, your capabilities as a CX team, especially if you're small and you want to be mightier, what will empower you most? Is it starting with frontline employees and rolling out to others? Is it finding that level that you want to better engage with? Or maybe it's finding the bright spots. So another way to think about it is, For example, Crow, the accounting firm, has a system in place where employees can get recognized for good CX. And that could be back of house employees as well. It doesn't have to be front lines. And when they get a certain amount of recognition, they qualify to be CX ambassadors. So suddenly there's sort of a desirability around it that is just keeping the momentum going. You talked about that's downstream. And then in the research that you do, you talk about upstream, getting obviously C-level support. I can't think of any C-level person that's not going to say, oh my gosh, yep, customer experience is super important to me. What works to really get you know, change within the organization at the C-level? What do you recommend? I think if you have your, if you are training your CX champions on how to build business cases and how to use leverage your data scientists to show where the problems are, have the customer's voice in the problems, and then connect that with dollars, then they're going to get executives' attention. And you're also going to have employees who feel more empowered and more excited about how they can make changes because they're sitting in these roles where they feel like they can't make changes to what they're doing every day. Um, They don't have the power to. And these programs can really empower them with toolkits so that they learn how to speak the language of executives and persuade to make bigger changes. So... Interesting there, you know, obviously the business case component of this is pretty critical, but also the kind of the catcher's mitt or the measurement of these efforts and how you do that. So is that above and beyond or different than how CX teams are measuring their efforts today? Or is that just kind of part and parcel of the program that you may already be running? Yeah, it's not above and beyond. One of the big complaints we hear is that We have CX measurement, but no one's using it Mm. to actually drive insights. And so this is an opportunity to train people on how to do that for themselves, for their teams. And we've seen examples of CX ambassadors that were chosen based on their enthusiasm for the customer data. And so now they are um, shuttling back and forth these learnings Um, and turning them into actual actions to make the experience better. And also, I would imagine making that information maybe more widely available to the organization, Mm -hmm. more transparent so that you understand what your impact is if you're participating or kind of having this special title as a CX ambassador. Correct. Yes. There was much talk many years ago about dashboards, Mm -hmm. you know, making sure you were publishing customer (laughs) dashboards. Still talking about it. Are we still talking about dashboards? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, they weren't really working. (laughs) And so I think this is actually a solution to that. Everyone had a dashboard. I was just speaking with a client who was saying that um, they would love to get a dashboard in front of their CEO, but how is it going to be useful? And again, it comes back to getting a little bit more manpower behind deriving those insights to be actionable. 
So not just looking at the information, but what does the information mean? Yeah, and I would assume to some degree focusing on a couple of really important pieces of information and repeating the heck out of it. I feel like you see that more as like we're focusing on this. It's 20 and we're going to get it to 30, whatever this is, versus the dashboard where like most insights, there's just so much of it. What should I focus on? That looks red. Red looks bad. What do I do now? Mm -hmm. The report that we've just put out on this um, is intentionally titled Customize Your CX Champions Program. Um, Because as we mentioned, you're going to start with a pilot program and then you're going to roll it out based on how your culture receives it Mm -hmm. um, and what catches on. Well, I mean, where I liked where that goes is saying that, I mean, culture is not something you can give a one prescription for. Mm -hmm. There's probably going to be 20 possibilities of ways that this catches fire within each, you know, organization. And that requires a really agile team to look and say, that thing, spark never started. There's a flame over there. Let's run after that. And I have a feeling with CX methodologies that that's a little bit of a hard thing for some CX folks, right? They like to have a plan, not to overgeneralize, but it's a it's a planful, thoughtful, methodological kind of approach generally. And what you're prescribing is, a, is something that's a little bit more sense and respond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for example, one thing you can do is plan to have your first group of CX ambassadors be cohort one, um, have sort of a, a date when you're going to switch over to cohort two, whether it's in a year or six months, whatever it is, um, so that you're not committing to more than what is actually going to be useful in the relationship. You find that a lot with innovation efforts too. I mean, there's people who raise their hand, which is great. You grab the coalition of the willing. And then there's the people who actually end up doing the work. And it's usually a subset. Mm-hmm. There's great enthusiasm, but then just prioritization doesn't happen. And so you know that's going to have to change. And then you're going to grab a new set of people and keep working with you know, as you go through the organization. Right. And if you are leveraging marketing correctly, um, you know, you are creating ways that sort of entice the next cohort to step up because uh, there's recognition Mm -hmm. in place for the first cohort. And um, there's a lot of conversations by the cubicle. Where did you get that certification? Where did you get that badge? Mm-hmm. Uh, Patagonia you know, jacket. There's a little, yeah, <laughs> there's a little sense of competition right. too. I think that's very real to employees. They want to make sure they're all keeping up with mm-hmm. their neighbors. Right. So referencing how Carrie started this episode, CX has plateaued, but we are seeing signals of things moving up and to the right. And perhaps these programs are going to help unleash that a bit more, right? So What are you seeing and are you seeing momentum in 2020 and beyond here? Yeah, we are seeing momentum in this. It is industry agnostic. It is not dependent on how many members, whether you're a team of one or a team of five. Everyone is trying to invest right now in their culture and that's not going to show ROI overnight, um, but you should start to see results from something like that within a year. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.